Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're gonna wanna stick around. Because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm gonna give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful, no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Supes. I have a really fun guest with us today talking about money, which I love to talk about here, but it's one of the hard things in entrepreneurship. Her name is Megan Wall. She is a money coach. She lives in Alabama with her partner and three cats. She's been in finance for 12 years and has run her business for over five. She's helped hundreds of entrepreneurs heal their relationship with money and organize their finances so that they can make informed and badass business decisions. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for having me, Natalie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you. I'm excited to talk about like money in general and like your spin on things because I think it's so cool, but also profit first because I don't think anybody I talk to in the entrepreneurship world, other than like small little areas, are like, what is that? Why do you have so many bank accounts? I'm like, (laughs) yo, it saved my life as an entrepreneur. Like, you have no idea. And so, Yeah, I love that you use it. it. I didn't know. That's really cool. Yeah, when I saw that, for those of you that don't know, when I find someone cool, there's like a little form I get them to fill out so that I can know more about them for the show. And when I saw that on the form, I was like, yes, (laughs) because I don't think we've talked about it. I'm sure I've probably brought up the book and how I use it and whatever on the podcast, maybe, probably, but I've never had anybody on who actually helps with it or teaches or is a CFO, fractional CFO, which is fractional chief financial officer for those of you that don't know. So yeah, tell me first, like how you got into this world. So it says 12 plus years. So like, where did you start? Yeah, so I originally wanted to be a biology major in school (laughs) and failed chemistry, like more than one time. And you know, the sciences were that not my thing. hard in university. Holy crap. Right. Yeah. And so I decided to shift to accounting because my mom, my aunt were both accountants. I was like, let's give it a shot. And so when I was 18, my dad gave me my first accounting job at his company. And so I was the full charge bookkeeper at wow. a metal manufacturing plant. I mean, I had a supervisor and a mentor, so she was incredible. But at 18, I was, <laughs> I was already working in the business. So that's so cool because I have a degree in business and all my grades were like A's, A plus, B, and then all my accountings were like D, C, F, D. <laughs> I It was so hard, but I think for me it was so hard because it was like learning another language. Mm-hmm. And so having that experience like working and bookkeeping must have made it easier for you to like, I think like if I was able to learn on a business first and then took those courses, it would be different versus right. like accrual accounting and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So it took me quite a long time, probably seven or eight years to actually finish school because I was working the whole time yeah. through school. So I was in school part-time the whole time. So I, I took me twice as long to finish, but yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that experience. And my mentor was incredible. And having, I used to reconcile with my mom <laughs> when I was like 
in high school, like a young teenager, like probably like 14 or 15. And no we would way. reconcile books together. And so, yeah, just, and it was, it's so funny because it never crossed my mind to be a bookkeeper until I was like, oh, science isn't working for me. What else should I try? And I was like, oh, duh. duh. <laughs> That's so cool. So do you, are you an accountant? Like, are you, do you have the schooling for accounting or what school did, schooling did you take? Yeah, my degree, I've got a bachelor's in accounting with a minor in international business. That's so cool. I've got marketing with a minor in international business. (laughs) Yeah. But it's funny because I also never thought about being an entrepreneur, even though both of my parents are entrepreneurs as well, because my dad owned his own business for 30 years. And my mom's kind of always been a serial entrepreneur where she, you know, she did soap making and she did Mary Kay for a while and she did bookkeeping for a while. So, but then I always told myself I was not the person to like set up systems. I was always the person to like follow someone else's system. Right. Yeah, that I could like go in and be a be a perfect employee and like follow you know your human system. design. Sorry to interrupt, but I yeah. know you're woo. So what's your human design? Manifesting generator. Okay, because I'm a projector and I relate so hard on that. Because like for me to make an idea was that was the hardest part of me becoming an entrepreneur. I always knew I wanted to, but I was like, but what? Like somebody give me an idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't um projectors you you have to wait to respond? Yeah, wait correct? to respond. And we're also really good at amplifying others' voices, which is why social media digital marketing is like it for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like being invited, wait to respond. And that's exactly how I got into this business and it kind of fell into my lap. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So and then I got fired from my last job in in Manhattan. And I was like having this conversation with my husband. And I was like, you know, I could do this on my own. Like there are plenty of bookkeepers out there who who freelance and do this from home. And he was like, yeah, why don't you do that? So that's just what I did. (laughs) That is so cool. Okay. First of all, I said cool when you said I got fired. I didn't mean that you got fired. That was cool. (laughs) I meant Manhattan because that's bucket list for me. But that is awesome. I just I love that you were able to take such a tough time in life where a lot of people would be like and actually I got laid off once and I spiraled and like had a new corporate job within a week even though like I probably needed some time to think about what I wanted to do but just spiraled and I love that you took that and like as the driving factor to go out on your own that's really cool yeah well and you know there's so much there's so much rhetoric out there especially in the spiritual online coaching space of like you just need to like take a leap of faith and jump off the cliff and like quit your job and like go all in and that's just absolutely not doable for most people. well and it's not healthy too right for so long i was doing so I guess side hustle stuff on top of corporate job. There was no way I could have just dropped my corporate job. I wouldn't have even been able to start this business because the mm. stress would have been so high and the effect on my illness and everything would have been just, yeah. So I hate, I hate that rhetoric too. It's like, mm. no, that doesn't work for everybody or anybody really. <laughs> right. And, and the only reason why it worked for me was because my husband and I were very fortunate that his income was able to support both of us and we don't have kids and, you know, we just have the cats. I'm always very transparent about that fact that I didn't just like start making money immediately and just like had a successful business immediately. No, like I'm just now after five years, like most businesses don't break even until year three or four, if that, and then making profit after that is, it's a slow growing thing. And I think we see 
all the businesses who are like overnight successes and like immediately start making 10k months and they're just like it's just not the the normal experience for most people yeah. so and it's actually it is my experience so i agree with that it, it, like i did make 10k in like my first or second month but i had the foundation and the safety net of other things and other mm-hmm. like i was going to teach university or i do teach university classes but that was coming up and i was doing other things so like that happened for me, but you're right. And I like, I like that we're actually calling that out. That's not the norm. It doesn't have to be the norm. Like statistics wise, it is definitely not the norm. So yeah, I love that. And especially in, in women owned businesses, it's, it's even less like the statistics as far as like successful businesses that make it past year one, even less after year two. And then the turning over profit after that is like for year four, year five, like that's the statistics. And so I always want to make sure my audience knows that like, you're okay. Like you're not a late bloomer. Like you're not behind, like, like this is normal. Yes. I love it. So good. So tell me a little bit about, um, you say you do resonate with the word sick and successful. So share with us whatever you want to share with us when it comes to that. Yeah, it took me a long, (laughs) like I've been, so I've, I have something called a central tremor. And so I just shake all the time. Uh, Yeah, just like constantly. So I just, and it affects everything I do, my love life, my work, like my, the way I exercise, everything, how I take care of myself. Like I hate, it's really frustrating to do things with my hands. So I rarely ever cook, you know, I'm, I'm very like, partial to things that come already made because it pisses me off to have to do things with my own hands. Mm. So, but like probably six months ago, if you had asked me, do you consider yourself sick and successful? I would have been like, no, I'm not sick. Like Mm. I don't have a a disability or a handicap or whatever you want to call it. Like that's not me. And, and I was like, so resistant to acknowledging the fact that something is different about my body that makes it different for me to get work done my energy levels because I'm constantly moving throughout the day my my energy dips at about two o'clock two or three o'clock in the afternoon and so I'm done with work and it always I've, I've always felt very betrayed by my body and like really hard on myself a lot of judgment about like why can't you work longer hours why can't you do this and do that and so but I'm on a new medication and it's really helping me and I feel mm, renewed for the first time in like six years for like two weeks. I've only been on this medication for like two weeks. So I feel congratulations. That's a big, big thing. And I, I'm currently writing a book called sick and successful and it's the writing. This book has really, really, and I've like went back into all my medical records and like Mm -hmm. put them in an Excel spreadsheet. And it really helped me realize how hard I compartmentalized my chronic illness with my success and my high achiever and my like growing business and just life. Like, even though I have a chronic illness, I can't like I have a disability. I can't deny that I it wouldn't be something most people would know unless like, you know, they got really close to me. And even even after starting the sick and successful business, SNS Creative, and that being the ethos of the company, still very compartmentalized. But just like you, by 2 p.m., like I'm done. 
Like there's no, like I can maybe take a call at two, but that call is not going to be, you know, a very productive call. And at three, I need a nap before my daughter gets home. Like that's the end of my work day. And so I kind of, and I don't work Fridays really like I'll, I'll do CEO type stuff, but I really work like 20 hours a week, even though for me, that's a full work week. And for a long time, I'm like, this like not fair, you know, but now I'm like, no, but this is why my mission is so important is because more people need to realize that like, most of us, I actually don't even ask people if they're sick and successful before saying they can come on the show because 90% of the time they say yes. I didn't know if you resonated with sick and successful. We would have talked about money and all the cool things if you didn't. But like 90% of the time people say yes for one reason or another. Yeah. So it's like, it's so crazy. We're out there hiding it and like denying it from ourselves, but yeah. it affects our day to day life. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're like, first of all, that you're feeling better because that's the most important, but that you're coming to terms, I guess, with like that you have to do things a little bit different and that's okay. Like that's a cool thing about you. Yeah. And and honestly, like it comes from a um from the hustle culture of like the pressure of being able to work really, really, really hard for what you get. And I, I yep value hard work I value putting in effort and time and like energy but I I have to be able to do it to my body's needs like I have to be able to to customize my work to to how I am now and so like I don't know if I could work in an office nowadays like when they trimmers the way they are like I don't know if I could and I'm very fortunate that like when my trimmer started about six years ago was when I started my business. So I've never had to like figure that out really. So what do you mind talking a little bit more about them? Like where, what did they start from or what are they really? <laughs> I don't know where, oh, how um, they started. I don't know what the cause is there isn't much yep. research out there really. I have, there's no genetic predisposition really. Uh, like nobody else in my family has them and it's a dopamine issue in the body and it causes your muscles to fire wow very quickly so it's different from parkinson's and you can actually tell the difference in like the the cadence of the trimmer itself whereas like parkinson's is kind of like this Right, like kind of choppier or like more slower. Rounded. It's yeah. slower. It's more like it's a beat, you know, okay. like the rhythm. Of yeah. It. Whereas mine are very fast, like, like almost like you're fast. you just finished a kickboxing class or like you're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So so they actually measure like the decibels of like the um the trimmers themselves, and they can tell what it is by by the decibels. So I don't is know it how it's mainly your hands that are that tremor, or is it other parts of your body too? It's my whole body, yeah. Your whole body is shaking like your hands are? Mm-hmm. Wow. That must take up so much energy throughout the day. Like, that's, of course, you can't function past two. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm like, running a marathon every every day. So, yeah, yeah my whole body, my arms. I'm, I'm very lucky that my head doesn't shake and my voice, my vocal cords don't right. shake either. Yeah, because looking at you on the Zoom call, unless you have your hand above the screen, I can't tell at all. Yeah, no, everything from like my neck down will shake. Wow. And so did you just wake up one morning and started shaking? It was gradual. 
Um, and I didn't, it has really gotten a lot worse in the last year or so. I've found that like my gait is affected. My balance is affected. Mm -hmm. I was falling over a lot. I could barely walk. I needed help walking, standing. Like I was relying on my partner quite a bit. Yeah. And that like really took a hit to my self-confidence. You know, yeah. I felt like I wasn't independent. I felt like I couldn't do things without him. And my mantra became, I can't do that. And not that it wasn't true for the most part, but like yeah. it kept me from trying <laughs> to do that thing, whatever that's the, it was. That's the like thin line of like you, you to be sick and successful like you can't let the illness win. And I'm putting that in air quotes, but at the same time, you need to let it win in some moments, like, like ending work at two, but in other cases, like pushing yourself where you believe or where you know that you're kind of like given up a little because the illness, I can totally relate. Cause there's like, and, and like you just become used to relying on someone or like, mm -hmm. I can't do it. Like, I just, I don't have it in me. I can't do it where it's like, but the independence it might give you yeah, right. it's such a it's such a fine line, and I don't think there's an answer for anybody. I think it's ever so unique that you yeah. gotta just find it within you. Yeah. So how did you change that mantra from "I can't do that" to today? Yeah. So uh, one thing that really taught me the mantra of like "I can't do that" was was to receive help, which is an invaluable lesson. But I teach my ethos in money coaching is pleasure plus fun equals an amazing relationship with money. So I teach my clients how to build rituals, pleasure practices, and really bring fun into their business and their relationship with money so that things are not fearful or anxiety ridden or really dark and scary when it comes to money. Cause I, so many people yeah. experience that with money. My biggest pleasure practice was what I call my selfish practice. And it was a lot about me like building myself up spending time by myself telling myself that i'm like the coolest person i know like you know doing things for myself within my capabilities as far as like pleasure and like fun like reading fantasy novels again and not just focusing on entrepreneur yeah, like self-help yeah because <laughs> you can get so bogged down with that like for Literally. the longest time i was only listening to podcasts self-help only reading books that were self-help yeah. and i started reading books again for fun and it just like changed everything you know Me too i think i read like i have to check what i think i read 35 of them last year like <sighs> Wow. Colleen Hoover. I read every single Colleen Hoover book last year because I just for the same thing. I'm like, enough, enough business <laughs> development and personal development. I got enough of that. I think for now I need a minute. And then I just like dove in and was reading like one per week. Like it got I love it. that. It was good yeah. though. Yeah, you need it. So doing more things like that, like I, you know, I love to dance and move, and that's another thing that I my mantra was I can't do that anymore because my movements were so choppy and hard and like I couldn't so I stopped doing a lot of things that I used to love to do so my selfish practice and how I teach it is very much a self self-centered self-love practice when especially when it comes to money and everything all my self-pleasure practices are surrounded by money but that's just me because I'm a money coach and so everything yeah. is like very money centric uh but you know, you don't have to 
focus all of your self-centered practice on money. That's just what comes through. But it's interesting. I just had a guest on a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Shay and she just started a business this year in um, affiliate marketing, digital marketing. And we talked a lot about how like when you focus the energy positively on money, it comes And like, I used to like have a hundred dollar bill or a few hundred dollar bills on my desk. And I would just things like that at the beginning of my business and the abundance that it brought in, like just looking at money as a good thing. And then as soon as it switches to like, ah, like clients are leaving payroll, blah, blah, blah. You just like notice it amplifies. So Mm -hmm. it's so true. Like you have to have those. And like, yeah, it's interesting because I know a lot of people don't believe in woo, but like it's those rituals, it's those practices, it's your relationship with money that is like the core. It doesn't matter what business you have, but it is the core to like the health of the business. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite pleasure practices is just doing my bookkeeping in a bathtub that there's nothing woo woo about it. Like, yeah, there's like candles and stuff lit and it's like a vibe for sure. It's normal business owner stuff, like looking at my numbers, checking out all my expenses and my income, but in a bathtub, because why not? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's so cool. I love it. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about profit first. Okay. So where should we start? Because obviously we both know about it, but maybe tell me how you got into, because there's not a lot of people with accounting degrees or bookkeepers or accountants or fractional CFOs really that I've found like out in the wild, unless you go through profit first, that actually think it's a good idea (laughs) or at least like, or even teach on it. Because my accountant's awesome and she like deals with it, (laughs) but it's not like she's a profit first accountant or bookkeeper. So yeah, how did you get into it? And what do you think about it? Yeah, I read the book. I really don't remember where I heard about it first. It's been probably five or six years since I read the book, but I immediately implemented it in my own business first to see what the dealio was. And I really loved it because for me, the transfers themselves, like going in and being like, okay, wait, let's kind of explain before we get into that. (laughs) Because I think most people probably won't know. So Profit First is number one. It's a book written by Mike Michalowicz. Mike Michalowicz. And essentially, obviously read the book, but essentially you open up five different or everybody's a little, I think he gives a perfect number, but I opened up five different bank accounts. One's operating expense, one's receivables, one's tax, one's profit, and one's, which one am I forgetting? Owner's comp, Mm -hmm. owner's compensation. And so personally, I do it every week, but he recommends every two weeks you go through and you just have percentages and you, whatever came into the receivables, you split it up, you put it into the other bank accounts and you never ever touch tax and you never touch, you know, the other ones you can only touch the operating um, owner's comp or whatever. You can obviously touch operating expenses for operating expenses, but it has changed my life as a business. Like I have tax money all the time. I don't have to worry about it where like everybody else I talk to as an entrepreneur not doing it are like, I don't know how many, that much money I need for taxes, like whatever. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Mine's just sitting there. It's all good. Like, yes, I'm worried about a lot of other things, but not taxes. Yeah. (laughs) That's just the kind of basics of it. There's a lot more that goes into it, but that's like the Right. If you are a sole proprietor or like an LLC who does 50 to 300,000, I think is like the range in the book, you really can go with the basics of the book. So it's um, you have your main receiving account. And then based on whatever percentages you set, and we I do this with my clients, we come up with percentages to start with, you make allocations so you separate all of the income into those other four accounts. So it really becomes a way to 
hyper focus for me it was amazing to see the separation between what I was paying myself and what my operating expenses were. Yes. Because if I have if I have money in my operating expenses, I know that none of that is going to be touched for paying me. And it was like a mental mess to try to figure out, okay, but if I pay myself this much, how much am I going to have for expenses? And like, if you're not... And then if you're thinking about like investing in something, you're like, you look at one bank account and you just have one big number and you're like, cool, I can do it. But then you don't consider operating expenses or taxes or your own payment. And then at the end of the month, you're like, why am I negative $3,000? And it's because a lot of entrepreneurs do bank balance accounting. You look at your bank balance. Do I have money or do I not? But like, that's not it. (laughs) Yeah. And also, you know, if you're wanting to bring on a new employee or hire a new coach. I made so many mistakes before I did profit first. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And you're trying to like plan for something that's in the future, but you don't know. We can like reverse engineer and say, okay, you need to sell this many private coaching packages. You need to sell this many digital products. Like you need to raise your prices here or do this or, you know, we can reverse engineer so many things for your goals and set your percentages based on your goals. So I find Profit First to be so helpful, especially for people who are visual learners and I think a lot of creatives and, and entrepreneurs are. So yeah, being able to see the difference, like you said, like not just one giant number and you're like, okay, but all of the other expenses, like what, how am I going to do this? That's so cool. And so how do you use it with your clients? Yeah. So we do a planning session and we come up with their percentages. I have a spreadsheet that we create together on the call. And I always think it's so important to name your bank account something fun. So like my income account is called receiving. My operating expenses is called fun business things. My salary account is called sacred salary. I've got the man for taxes. I've got, <laughs> I think, I think I called it bonus or something like that for the profit account. We set up the spreadsheet and in my coaching services, we touch on it at least once a month and make sure that they're keeping up with their spreadsheet and their allocations. I also do it, my transfers as, as much as possible because I think it's yeah. just fun. <laughs> It is like it's a weekly practice for me every Friday on my CEO days. Like I just I have a little like I have a to do agenda that I always have on my desk and I take that and I put the percentages on there and I just move it around and it's like it just feels good. All right, cool. I'm good. Like I got it. This month is fine. I pay off my credit cards and everything's like Mm -hmm. doesn't feel as stressful as like when I fell behind for a while when we were moving and we bought a new house and money was just and like I felt it. I felt it everywhere in the business and like just you know, the energy around. And I'm like, I got to get back to doing this weekly. And it just feels so clean. Yeah. Literally feels clean. Yeah. Clean and sparkly and fresh and new. And yeah, Yeah. I love that feeling. And one thing I do want to say about bank accounts specifically is that if you are a sole proprietor or an LLC, you don't necessarily need a business designated bank account. So you can open up personal accounts. So I use Ally for my personal accounts. So I have Profit first in both my personal accounts and my business accounts. And I can talk more about how I use it in my personal if you want. But I have so many bank accounts. I have like six or seven. Me too. I kind of, I don't use it fully, but I have bank accounts in personal too that are like all over the place as well. Yeah. So I use Ally for my personal. You can have as many accounts as you want. I know some bank accounts limit that. Like, Well, that's the thing in Canada because I'm in Canada. You pay for every bank account. And that's like the downside of it for me because Mm. I... 
have a lot of bank accounts and I have to pay like 24 bucks a month for every single one, man, which is dumb. But honestly, the amount of money and mistakes that this has saved me is worth the, I don't know, $100 a month. No, I'm paying more than that. Maybe $300 a month that I'm paying for bank accounts. It's like, cool. But I was like making big mistakes. Like I wouldn't have had thousands and thousands of dollars for taxes and like it would have cost me more. So it's just an expense that, you know, the company takes for it. But you guys are so lucky in the States where there's like, so many different th- services that will or like banks or whatever that give you accounts for free i'm like i want i want to move there just kidding i don't but like <laughs> yeah yeah so ally you can have as many as ca- accounts as you want free no fees whatsoever and then there's relay and i know a lot of banks also do buckets so you don't actually have to have separate bank accounts but you can use these what they call buckets within your main account that allows you to separate out in the same way you would with the separate accounts oh that's so cool not here not that i'm aware of but still that's really yeah. cool well i just want to say relay is the business bank account and then okay. ally is my personal but um yeah so my personal accounts i i have an income account like like usual. Then we have our living expenses account. We have both my husband and I have, it's like our everyday expenses, like out in the world, like if we want to get lunch or whatever. My husband drives to work. So he needs gas and needs food and stuff like that <laughs> when he's at work. Yep. So he has his own expense account as well. And then we have a money market account that has like our short-term goals in it, as well as an emergency fund account. So that one, using it for personal is a little bit more free flowing because you can really customize your per- percentages. And since I'm paying my taxes through my business accounts, it doesn't actually come out of my personal account. So I don't need a tax account. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Are you the like, I don't know, money person in your relationship? Like, do you do everything for your husband when it comes to paying all the bills and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he used to take care of it, but... He wasn't keeping on top of it. So I was like, right. hey, I, can, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about that? Like how long maybe did it take you guys to figure it out? And how did you decide like that you were going to be in charge and splitting it up? Do you take a percentage of his paycheck every time he gets paid and put it in accounts? Like how does that work? I'm so curious. Yeah. So for a long time, my business wasn't making any money. I was breaking even. So it was all his money that we were using to pay our living expenses and to live every day for other things. So I would give us both an allowance, I guess. I I don't know if I really like that word, but like uh, daily. Yes. Yes. Fun spending money daily for, for ourselves. But yeah, it was mainly his income that I was using for a long time. And now that my business is profitable over the last couple years or so, it feels really good that I get to like contribute to our household funds and not just have my business money in a little bubble over here paying for my business and not doing anything (laughs) for anybody else. But as far as like how we decided, it just made sense for me to take over. And I will say that I do, even as a money professional and as a money coach, there is still some shame sometimes when I'm like, when I'm handling the money and we end up, you know, going into more debt than maybe like we wanted to, like, and I have to be like, hey, babe, you know, <laughs> like we need to like rein in the spending for a month or two and just be more aware and intentional. And he's like, well, what happened? You know, like, wh- where is this coming from? And so I think it is so important if you have one person in the partnership taking mostly 
responsibility for where the money goes the other partner needs to be more involved so that there's no like shame or like hiding things from the other partner because that is a big like my first inclination is to be like no I can't tell him like no like I have to hide this like it'll be fine like I'll just figure it out you know but that's not gonna work (laughs) yeah yeah totally I am also the one who manages a lot of the numbers and I find it so hard because like I'm running a business and I have a toddler and so many things that we always talk about like we're gonna have monthly money dates and like it never happens and then I'm like ah we're behind on this and that that's like a part where like finally I feel like the money's cleaned up in my business and now I need to clean it up in our personal life because we've just never been able to find we've been together for 13 years and never have gotten a system of like this works this feels good we're set up so yeah that's like that's a part of where we need to figure it out. But yeah, I love it. We've been together for 11 years as well. So oh, cool. yeah, if you have your business finances all worked out, you have somebody managing your finance, like a bookkeeper or a CFO or something like that. That's incredible. And hiring a money coach for your personal stuff might be the perfect next step for you if there's room for improvement in your personal expenses as well. And is that something you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do, it's not couples therapy, but like <laughs> um, couples money therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like, love that. Yeah. Tell like, us more because I'm sure I am not the only one. I am sure everybody listening has like some kind of part of this, like, or can maybe not everybody, 90% of those listening feel some kind of this. So tell us what you do when it comes to that personal money as well. Yeah. Personal finances are, can be so much more emotional than business finances Mm. especially if because there's other people involved like your family and your partners and your parents and people like that um I think there's a lot more opinions on personal finances than there are on business finances I don't know maybe that's just my perception no I I agree because it's like okay you have to pay 30% or whatever wherever you live taxes and you have to do this and here's a normal amount of opex or operating expenses that come and it's just like here are the guidelines obviously they change but like here is what it is but with personal it's like you can have joint bank accounts you cannot he can pay this you can pay that you can do it this way or that way and it's like oh my god it all yeah. is stressful. <laughs> and like putting in, you know, creating um, trust funds for your child and like future planning for your child. Like there's a lot of opinions yeah. <laughs> about what is right and what is wrong and how to how to family plan as far as finances yeah. go. So yeah. And especially if you are a, I, f- I find this so much in my clients. If you are a woo-woo person with a non-woo partner and you're very much like expanded and open to money and like it's very fluid and very flowing but your partner's like what are you doing (laughs) I don't understand (laughs) so um there's a lot of helping uh, opening the communication and in a way that's like very grounded in both the numbers and the logic and the reality of money as well as in universe and the law of attraction and all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like I bring a nice balance to that because of my background in accounting as well as like my my own spiritual journey. So what does your packages look like when it comes to the services you offer personal specifically is what I'm curious about, but also business? Right now I have everything I do is private coaching. So I don't have any group programs at the moment. So I have my private coaching program called Unholy Money, which is a very pleasure focused, like fun ritual focused package where we meet weekly for six months. 
And that's just a focus on any anxiety or fear or problems or excitement or celebration, whatever you feel around money is just like getting closer to it. And I always welcome partners in that program. So that would be, and it would be the same amount. Like, like if you bring a partner in, it wouldn't be like double the price or whatever. It would be the same amount. Are you okay to share the price? Oh yeah. It's 2000 a month. Okay. Awesome. Is that your only package that you have or do you offer different things as well? Like your fractional CFO? That's my only coaching package. So I've just partnered with a company called Prosperity First. That's where I offer my CFO services through. And so we have our CFO only, which is I think it's case by case, so but I think it starts at twelve hundred a month for just okay. CFO, and then we have a team of bookkeepers, so you can do bookkeeping and CFO services, or just bookkeeping. We do tax planning and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like a really full service back of house financial team for businesses. That's awesome. That's what I have. Obviously, Canada. It's like you need a Canadian accountant, but yeah, I, I'm so lucky. We work with Align CPA for anybody who's looking in Canada, and she, yeah, they do the similar. Well, it's Lisa's the owner, and she's kind of like the fractional CFO, and then she has a bookkeeping team, and it's like a game changer. It's funny when you think you're able to do it yourself, and then you hand it over, you're like, hmm, didn't do any of that. <laughs> Glad I'm giving this up. <laughs> Yeah. And there are people out there who are like, I think I have a good handle on this. I just need somebody to like, hey, it's January. Like I need somebody to check my work pretty much and be like, 2023 is good. Like we can file taxes with this information, you know? And that's also something that I offer in my my one-off sessions. I do like 90 minute, I call them jam sessions. And those are 444 for 90 minutes. And we can do whatever you want. We can do a pleasure ritual. We can look at your books. We can talk about personal finances, anything like that. That's awesome. I love it. Is there any like last minute thing you want to tell our listeners? <laughs> the red carpet is yours. Anything you want to share about or you want them to know about you or anything? Yeah. You know, I teach money as a relationship and it's something that's like, if you can take a relationship in your life that feels good and healthy and supportive and fulfilling and apply that to your relationship with money and start kind of personifying money. I feel like it allows us to connect with this thing that can feel so out of body. So, so, so much like a tool. And like, if, if you, my whole thing is if you use it like a tool and that works for you, then please like by all means continue to do that. But if you're using it like a tool and it's not feeling good, it doesn't feel like you can really connect with your finances. It feels sticky or whatever. Start to think of it as a partnership, like a best friend, a lover, whichever really resonates with you and allows you to heal any sticky stickiness Mm -hmm. in that relationship. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of trauma that comes from money from however you were raised, right? Like Mm -hmm. it can, and it's just so ingrained until you actually start and until you look at it, until you put an eye on it. So that's so cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. I loved your story and I'm so thankful you were sharing it with us. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's been amazing. And um, oh, I'm at sacrednumbers.co on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. And you can find all my links there. And we'll make sure to link her down below as well. Thank you so much. Remember, dream big. It's possible for you. And your next version of success is around the corner. Mwah.